Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to a new surah, Surah Al-Duha. Before we enter into the surah, there's a couple of things that I'd like to touch on. The first thing is understanding why and in what situation this surah was revealed by Allah. By that I mean, we know that the Qur'an was not sent down in one go as a book that dropped from the sky. We know that the Qur'an was sent down to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam over 23 years in periods of time. It was sent down chunk by chunk, bit by bit. Allah says in the Qur'an, وَقُرْآنًا فَرَقْنَاهُ لِتَقْرَأَهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ عَلَى مُكْثٍ وَنَزَّلْنَاهُ تَنْزِيلًا This Qur'an, we've divided it and revealed it over time. وَنَزَّلْنَاهُ تَنْزِيلًا And we've sent it down emphatically. So the Qur'an wasn't revealed all in one go. And actually, certain verses of the Qur'an or certain passages of the Qur'an or certain bits of the Qur'an came down to address a particular situation. Perhaps two people had a disagreement and Allah revealed Qur'an, gave revelation to the Prophet ﷺ to deal with that disagreement. Perhaps the Prophet ﷺ was asked a question by the Jews or the Christians or the Meccans and Allah reveals Qur'an to answer their questions. Perhaps something happens and in response to that happening, Allah reveals Qur'an. This is called Sababun Nuzul in the Arabic language, which means the reason for revelation. Why did Allah send down those ayahs? Was there a particular situation? Was there a particular event that those ayahs were addressing? Now, when we say that those ayahs or this, Quran, this surah or these few ayahs addressed a particular situation or a particular event, that doesn't mean it doesn't apply beyond that event as well. For example, we're going to learn in Surah Al-Duha that Surah Al-Duha was revealed at a particular situation. However, its meanings are general and apply to all situations. But knowing why and where it was revealed helps us in understanding and getting a full picture of the surah, in understanding the context of the surah. So, to understand Surah Al-Duha, Surah Al-Duha was revealed due to a particular situation, which is that the Prophet ﷺ got injured. And so, he wasn't seen praying in Mecca for a few days. So one of the women who hated him and his message, she came to him and she said, Oh Muhammad, I see that, I, that you've not been turning up for a few days. Has your, your demon that's been whispering this Qur'an to you, has your demon left you? So she came to mock him and to kind of um, make a fool out of him because he hadn't been praying for a few days. And to take this opportunity to say that, Oh, what happened is your God not revealing any more Qur'an to you, any more revelation to you. So in response to this woman, and in response to people's claims that the Prophet ﷺ was being whispered to by a demon, uh, all that revelation had stopped all of a sudden and there was no more inspiration coming to him. Allah revealed these ayahs where he says to the Prophet ﷺ, Your Lord, your Master Allah has not left you, nor, does he dis nor is he displeased with you. Um, so kind of reassuring the Prophet ﷺ and those around him that the Qur'an is still going to continue to come and there is still good in store in the future. So understanding the context, why was this surah revealed, in what situation helped us in understanding the surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts Surah Al-Duha by saying Wad-Duha, which in English roughly translates to I swear or I take an oath by the daytime. Now let's first take a step back and understand what exactly this means. Taking an oath is something that Allah will do many times in these short surahs in the end of the Qur'an. He says, وَالْفَجْرِ وَالضُّحَى وَالشَّمْسِ وَالضُحَاهَا These are just a few examples. So it's good to understand what exactly that means. So the Arabs in the Arabic language, they would use an oath in order to emphasize something or to make it really important. For example, 
um, if they were talking to a friend and they wanted to prove that something was true, they would say, Wallahi, by swearing by Allah, to make sure that the person realizes that what they're saying is of really big importance, really high importance, and it's definitely true. So, so to put emphasis on it. Also, in a qasam, in an oath, when Allah takes an oath, there's the, the, the object of the oath and the conclusion of the oath. Which means, for example, if Allah says, I swear by the daytime that your Lord has not left you. The thing that Allah swears by, whether it's the daytime or the nighttime or any one of his creations, any one of the things Allah has created, this is called the subject of the oath. Um, on the other hand, the thing Allah swears for, the point Allah is trying to prove, the, the, the truth statement Allah is trying to emphasize and say this is really true, that's called the conclusion or the response to his oath, Jawabul Qasam. So in this case, Allah takes an oath by two things, Wadduha, which means the daytime, and Wallayli Ida Saja, and the nighttime, but not any nighttime, the nighttime when it quietens down and its stillness is observed, either because of the absence of people or because of the, the quietness of darkness itself. Allah swears by these two things to prove two points. Ma wadda'aka rabbuka wa ma qala. Your Lord, O Muhammad, He has not left you or forgotten you, and he, is not, he doesn't dislike you or He's not displeased or angry with you. Allah has to say this to the Prophet ﷺ to reassure him that just because the Qur'an hasn't been revealed to you for a few days, that doesn't mean that Allah dislikes you or that Allah is displeased with you or that Allah has left you. And Imam al-Suyuti mentions that the oath always has something to do with the point Allah is trying to prove. The subject of the oath and the conclusion of the oath always are related. In this case, the night and day is related to the delay of revelation. Because when the Prophet ﷺ doesn't receive any Qur'an for a long period of time, that is like the darkness. And when the Prophet ﷺ, after that long period of time, suddenly reveals, receives a surah, Qur'an from Allah, it's like the light has come back into his life. And that's why it's similar to the parallel of the daytime right after the nighttime. It also reassures us that when one is feeling down or when we are feeling difficult times have come to us, that there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Allah always says that difficulty and ease come hand in hand, which is something we'll look at in a later surah. And also that revelation, the Qur'an, is a source of happiness and a source of excitement and a source of comfort after the dark times that we face. After that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reassures the Prophet with two promises about the future. First, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That the afterlife, paradise, will be much better for you than this life. Don't worry, O Muhammad. He promises him that the afterlife will be better than this life. Especially when the life of this world gets tough and difficult and the Prophet is facing mocking and persecution from non-Muslims to hope for a better life in the hereafter is always something to look forward to. The second thing Allah promises him He says, and not just the afterlife, even in this world Allah promises the Prophet that he will keep giving him and that the Prophet will be satisfied. That your Lord, O Muhammad, is going to keep giving you and you are going to be content and satisfied with what he gives you. Allah does not specify what is he going to give the Prophet Muhammad. Is it money? Is it followers? Is it friends? Is it good times? Is it a state? He doesn't know. 
But Allah gives the Prophet all of these things and more before he passes away in the latter part of his life. And so the Prophet is taught by Allah to be optimistic, to think positively about the future, even if the current circumstances are not great. And in this way, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, denies two things, he then promises two things or he affirms two things. So he denied that he had abandoned the Prophet and he denied that he dislikes or he's displeased with the Prophet. And then he affirms or he confirms to the Prophet that the afterlife is better than this life. And then he confirms to the Prophet that even in this life he's going to give him so much and the Prophet will be content and happy. And that's the rough structure of these set of ayahs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the last part of Surah Al-Duha reminds the Prophet وسلم, of some blessings and favors that Allah had given him. And that he should, the Prophet وسلم, should in return extend those blessings and be good to others. To be grateful for Allah's favors and his blessings, we should use those blessings for good and we should extend them to others and be thankful for them. So Allah begins by saying, did we not find you, O Muhammad, an orphan? And then we nurtured you and gave you care. Because we know that the Prophet وسلم, his father passed away when he was still in his mother's womb. His mother passed away when he was only five years old. He was then given into the care of his grandfather Abdul Muttalib who passed away and then he was given in the care of his uncle Abu Talib. He never really had parents who were always around like many of us have. And that is a great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah took care of him. Allah took care of him by giving him into the right care in his grandfather's hands, in his uncle's hands, until he could grow up. And Allah also took care of him by giving him guidance and by giving him prophethood at the age of 40. In addition to that, Allah then reminds him, And Allah found you lost and he guided you. Now many people may misinterpret this ayah and the scholars of tafsir have said that this doesn't mean that the Prophet ﷺ was misguided. What it means is that he did not know the details of Iman and Islam and the details of how to worship Allah. And Allah guided him to those details when he made him a prophet at the age of 40. Allah says in Surah Al-Shura, مَا كُنْتَ تَدْرِي مَا الْكِتَابُ وَلَا الْإِيمَانِ وَلَكِنْ جَعَلْنَاهُ نُورًا نَهْدِي بِهِ مَنْ نَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا O Prophet, you did not know what the Qur'an was and you did not know what Iman was, but we made it a light through which we guide whoever we want from our slaves. Then Allah says, وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى O Prophet, we found you poor and we enriched you. The scholars of tafsir say that it is not that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the Prophet وسلم, so wealthy and rich. Rather, the Prophet وسلم, was given little, but Allah made him happy and content with that little. And that is what being rich really means. Because we can always try to get the next best car, the next promotion at work, the next best thing, and we always are greedy for more. But the real rich person is the one who is happy and content with what they have. That's why the Prophet said, To be satisfied is the true enrichment, is, is truly about being rich. Allah then tells the Prophet Just as I have given you these blessings, you should also show these things and share these blessings with others. So Allah says, Just as you were an orphan and I nurtured you, when you find an, an orphan, don't take over their belongings or oppress them or be unjust towards them. Take care of them. Just as I, O Prophet, gave you and enriched you, when someone comes to you asking whether it's for knowledge or for money or something that you have, don't push them away. And as for the blessings of Allah, 
talk about them and share them with others. However, one of the things we should understand is that we should talk about the blessings Allah gave us without that being a source of pride and arrogance that, oh look, I'm better than you, Allah gave me this job and this car and XYZ. But that it should be a source of humility that, look, this isn't mine, Allah has actually given me this blessing and it doesn't really belong to me. One of the interesting things is that Allah draws a parallel between His blessing and what the Prophet should do. So He says, O Prophet, you were an orphan and I nurtured you. Now when you see an orphan, you take care of them. O Prophet, you were, you were lost and you were poor and I enriched you. When you see someone asking you for something, you, can, you give it to them as well and don't turn them away. And O Prophet, when you were lost, I guided you. But here Allah does not say when you find someone lost, you guide them. Rather, Allah says to the Prophet that when what you should do is talk about Allah's blessings. And many scholars say this means talk about Islam and talk about the Quran and call people to Allah. Because why did Allah, the question is why did Allah not say, O Prophet, you were lost and I guided you. When you find someone lost, you should guide them too. Allah didn't say that because the Prophet is unable to guide people who are lost or people who are not sure about Islam. He can only convey the message, but their eventual guidance and practice and acceptance of Islam is something that only Allah is in control of and is up to them really to decide. The Prophet ﷺ cannot force people into Islam.